Natalie, how are you? Hi, Kim. All right, the enthusiasm <laughs> level, we gotta work on it. Like, I yours, we have to work on there. yours. No, you literally weren't even looking at me, you were looking at your phone, and you went, Hi, Natalie. I was looking, okay. How are you? Oh, are we on, are we doing a podcast? Anyway. Oh. <laughs> Gonna harass me some more? We can maybe get on with the podcast at some point. Hi, Natalie, how are you? <laughs> See, that was like so much better. Is that really me? Do you feel like I'm No, really it's not you anyone? at all, but I was entertained by it. Okay. <laughs> That's really why we're here. <laughs> That's why I do most things. It's just to entertain right. myself. Entertain yourself. <laughs> so how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Great. Uh, I don't love the summer weather, but I'm hanging in there. You are. You're a trooper. I am a trooper. Yeah. You don't really don't know. Like uh, you should ask my husband. I get really just poor Michael. I don't tell you what. I do feel bad sometimes. But he's the same way in the winter. He's the like he's the opposite. Polar opposite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Sicilian. Miracle we came together. Like, <laughs> Opposites attract, baby. That's how it is. Um, but let's do the housekeeping and then yes. we can get to our guests because okay. <laughs> the banter is just going to melt from here because I'm like, um, this is a broadcast podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. If you'd like to support us, we have several patrons who do, um, they're named Teresa Kaufman, Jamie Earl, Bobby Cherry, Bobby. I love that. And He's we have several sweetest. anonymous patrons who support us as well. We, we will take any measure of support you would like to yeah. give anonymously. Or, and we appreciate or, it too. Yeah, we do mm-hmm. a lot. It helps us uh, pay for some of the cost of producing the show. Um, if you'd like to support us uh, on our Patreon page, it's at patreon.com slash broadcast PGH. We're on Google play. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Um, if you want to sponsor us, otherwise partner with us, work with us in some capacity, uh, on the podcast, we are so open to suggestions and ideas and thoughts. Uh, drop us a line at broadcastpgh at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at broadcastpgh. Find us on Facebook at the broadcast underscore pgh and Instagram at the broadcast underscore pgh. Our website is broadcast podcast.com. We're everywhere. I man. was thinking that. I'm like, God, we're awkward. So like, much work doing a freaking podcast. People have no idea. <laughs> but it's, wor- it's worth it, though. It's worth it's it. It's worth it. Yes. We get guests like. Oh, thank you for that segue. I really wasn't that good. No, it was good. It was great. Uh, when we have guests like today's guest, hello, Jessica, how are you? Hi, I'm fabulous. <laughs> how are you? I'm great. So, Jessica Lewis, you are the director of operations at the Merchant Oyster Company and Or the Whale here in Pittsburgh, which no big deal, just two literally coolest restaurants in Pittsburgh. And you're also a chef by trade as well. Yes, yes. And we opened those two restaurants both in the last year, which has been a huge Super undertaking. Fun. And yes, <laughs> oh my God, hey. so fun. No, it's been really fun, really fun. Met a lot of, she's, a lot she's of new people. She's right now. <laughs> <laughs> PTSD, you think about all the fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what made you want to get into the food industry? I mean, I love to eat, I love to cook, but I don't think I'd ever want to really be a chef. So, so what's that next level? What made you want to go to that next level and cook for other people in this kind of capacity? Oh, geez. I thought I originally, I, I thought I really loved like, well, the idea was I really liked to party. So I was like, you I love, love it. I love parties. Yes. I love Natalie left that it, off her list of love. <laughs> I love the atmosphere. That. I love the people mm-hmm. that throw it. They put on such a great time. And I want to be one of those people. So it's like, how do I do that? How do I, how do I be the one creating these amazing parties? Mm -hmm. At the time I was living in New York city and I was, I was thinking, well, just dive right in and everybody's poor in New York. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be poor too. Yeah. I'm going to be poor, but I'm going to love what I do. So, uh, went to culinary school in New York city Mm -hmm. 
Institute of Culinary Education. That's awesome. It was a brief eight months, fast track, kind of did a couple internships, went right into being a line cook at a lot of different restaurants in New York, uh, saw a lot of things, saw a lot of bad things, a lot of good <laughs> things. Um, what was the culture like being, cause I, I mean, I think that the culinary industry is still pretty male dominated. So what was the culture like for you being a young woman in that industry in New York city yeah, as a it, line cook? It was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a background. Uh, I've been a collegiate, I was a swimmer my entire life. So mm-hmm. I was a collegiate athlete also. So coming out of, school and and having this dedication to a craft a sport Mm -hmm. I kind of carried that through so for me I feel like most of it was kind of like blinders like focus on what Mm -hmm. you're doing get it done no matter how hard it is no matter if you cry on your way home or Mm -hmm. if you don't like your job you suck it up and you put your time in because you know doing two month stints here and there because you can't do it wasn't going to make it especially after I don't know paying 30 plus thousand dollars for culinary school you got to stick it out um but I had some great experiences some great mentors in New York um and kind of just pushed me through that's awesome yeah so how did you end up back in Pittsburgh then were you from Pittsburgh originally or were no, you living in New York? I'm not a Pittsburgher. I mm-hmm. feel I am now. Well, you are now, honey. Yeah, I you am got two now. restaurants. You, are, you have solidified <laughs> yes, yourself. I know. I'm never yeah. leaving. Yeah. Um, I just go on really long vacation. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I love Pittsburgh. I got here. How did I get here? Um, one of my chefs in New York moved here to be the chef at Heinz Field, and he brought me along here. I knew one person in Pittsburgh, but I'm not the type of person to kind of hold back. I was even more poor in New York (laughs) after three years and decided, well, the cost of living is great. It's a city. Mm -hmm. Uh, let me, let's just go and try it out. And I'll never forget the cab ride from the airport into Pittsburgh and seeing all the green and the Mm -hmm. suburbia because that's what it is from the airport to the city and I cried and I was like oh my god where am I going (laughs) (laughs) because I was in New York for so long and it I just got so comfortable thinking this was the place I was going to spend the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and after a quick three years moving to Pittsburgh I mean it took me a little bit to get over but I mean I love it here it's great and when did you move here I moved here in 2013. Okay. Yeah. I think the thing with New York, though, is it kind of messes with your head when you're there because you really do start to feel it like it is the per- only place it, that you possibly can it live It definitely in. warps your perspective of yeah. like, what's normal. Right. Like, right. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's normal and right. what, yeah. So what yeah. were some of the culture shock moments that you had when you came to Pittsburgh besides seeing suburbia not too far from the actual city? Yeah. Um. Well this is going to sound bad because I do like Pramani's, but when I came here, everybody said, you have to go to Pramani's and coming from culinary school and an amazing culinary scene in New York. You're like, this is the level. I I was like, (laughs) Like, Oh oh, God. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I grew up from, I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania originally. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in suburbia. I'm not, I kind of got used to and really like, uh, the urban atmosphere. And Mm -hmm. I love being in, you know, big cities, small cities. So I was used to it. It wasn't really anything really shocking. One, one other shocking thing though, was I grew up eating pierogies, Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm Polish. And Mm -hmm. when I came here, 
everybody's you know, all these different restaurants are serving pierogies. And I'm like, why are they serving pierogies? That's like a, a Polish thing. But, but it wasn't a Polish thing. It's a Pittsburgh, it's a Pittsburgh thing. thing. Yeah. And that yeah. was surprising. And it's kind of, it's fun because I'm, mm-hmm. it's so familiar to me. So it, it kind of makes it feel more like home. And now my mom comes to visit and she can't leave without getting, finding a new church and taking pierogies <laughs> home because she's like, I just have to find them. I have to find them homemade here. That's uh, awesome. So that's fun for them to come visit. <laughs> so, so now that you've been back in the city, um, where were you working prior that led you up to having the, these two restaurants? How did that journey open unfold for you? Uh, I, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so before operating Merchant Oyster Company in or the Whale, I help open the Hotel Monaco, uh, oh. Kimpton, and Love the Beer place. Garden, the Commoner, mm-hmm. on the opening team there, um, which is where I met Chef Dennis Marin, and mm-hmm. we kind of had a great partnership, and it's been fabulous, and we're partners in life now, and partners in business, and it's it's been a really fun ride so So it was far. a romance. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to you, Miss. <laughs> has to always have some drama. Did you hear that? <laughs> the rumor. There's always drama in the kitchen. Oh, hello. <laughs> okay, fair hello, enough. Hello, yes. Enough. Well, that's very exciting. And um, and then after that, I was one of the first chef rotations in Smallman Galley. So I owned wow. Corona Cafe for a year and a half. Gave me, as a woman, my first taste of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um I'm, I'm a very goal oriented person and I always had something I wanted to do, but I could never figure out what it was I wanted mm. to do. It was always, I want to be a CEO. I want to mm-hmm. be a CEO. I'm like, I don't know where I want to do what I want to do or where I want to do it, but I want to be the top. I want to mm-hmm. be the best. Be the mm-hmm. boss. And I think that kind of translated into uh, having a sense of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and that's what Corota Cafe gave me. And it was really nice. It was, it was fun. It was eye opening. Um, but, a big thing about about that experience was being able to source and make decisions on my own, F- source food by, on my own, figure out where to get things, what what food meant to me. It, it created this but deep... Figuring out your priorities. ...relationship yeah. with, okay, I have control of this now. And before, I never did. I just... Mm. You did what you were told. Right. You ordered where you yeah. had to order. Um, you didn't really have the decisions to make about of those sorts of things. So my partner, Dennis Marin, he grew up in a little town, Red Bank, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And in that town, there was a little kind of like lobster seaside place called Moby's. Mm-hmm. And before we opened Or the Whale, we took a trip to his hometown to just kind of revisit, you know, we're doing this big thing. We're opening this huge restaurant. What do we want from it? How do we what's the name what's the name we went through like i don't know maybe hundreds of different seaside birds and like all of these weird <laughs> sea creatures to try to f- creating a it's name it's hard really to come up with a name it has to stick like with it. Yeah. yes it has to make sense yeah and you know we just kind of were like okay it has this relation to or the whale is about a adventure, a sense mm-hmm. of adventure. Mm-hmm. So to embody that, we tied in a literary reference um, to a novel that is a popular novel among kids and adults. And 
has a great sense of adventure and that's what we wanted to create for the entire dining experience Mm -hmm. is this sense of adventure um and of course we had to bring in and tagging along with that seafood houses old steakhouse mashing them into one Mm -hmm. and having a place where it's kind of like an upscale uh reminder of those places you went to on the shore when you Mm -hmm. were a kid and Mm -hmm. so that's what we tried to create I love Or the Well. I mean, I just love the decor. I remember I got to go there when it first opened and uh, to cover it for a web show that I do. And I just walked in. I was like, yes, Pittsburgh. <laughs> you needed this so badly and you didn't even know you needed it. <laughs> like it just, it really does feel like you're transported somewhere else. And I'm a big fan of the brunch personally. Yes. I very much enjoy you never your brunch. You met a brunch you didn't like. Though. I know. But this one, I really yeah. like. Really you never good. took me, but that's all right. Yeah. Having a, having a feeling of like being on vacation while that's you're in Pittsburgh. You yeah. Go there. You we really will. should. It's great. Because yeah. it, you do feel like you're by the sea. You know, it's, it's a really cool place and it's just very inventive and... I think that's amazing. So then, okay, so you, so that wasn't enough though. Yeah. You were like, no, yeah, no, no, no. I need more. I need oyster more. <laughs> oh, let's, how about an oyster house? <laughs> let's do it. So how did that come about? So the Merchant Oyster Company mm-hmm. was the original concept baby. It was our child. <laughs> so and, and just to be clear, the, the, or the whale is downtown. Yes. Inside uh, the, the hotel. Dish, the, district the district hotel. hotel. Yes. And um, the Merchant Oyster Company is in Lawrenceville. Yes. Okay. Correct. So they happen simultaneously, not on purpose, but <laughs> uh, it'll actually be our one year anniversary for Or the Whales in, at the end of September and then one year for Merchant Oyster Company end of October. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, I'm like... Wait, why did we do that again? <laughs> yeah. like, how why did not? Yeah. No, we, um, we've been eyeing that property. It's a beautiful little corner spot. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect little nook. And we wanted to have this neighborhood oyster bar. Mm-hmm. And we actually, when we're in the process of doing this, we got approached by one of the uh, Pittsburgh, I don't know what um, magazine or one of the, one of the news papers and Mm -hmm. said why would you open another oyster bar there's already an oyster bar here and we're like um in east liberty (laughs) like what are they talking but but to my point we we could have 10 oyster bars we were just down in charleston this uh, is so pittsburgh though yeah and i love pittsburgh but like we have to get over this small town mentality that oh well we have one of those so we're done now we don't need another (laughs) right more than one thing yeah especially considering these are neighborhoods yeah you know and especially lawrenceville is the most at this point i think neighborhoody neighborhood of pittsburgh you know yeah yeah there's always people walking around Mm -hmm. there's great independent restaurants there mm-hmm. they're great uh you know small businesses and it's fun to be a part of that group it's fun to have this network of small business mm-hmm. owners really really trying to make it and the neighborhood is just improving and we've gotten so much support there from we were we were a little afraid of the gentrification that mm-hmm. was happening in there and the, the pushback and what yeah. how that would affect merchant what we saw when we opened were such a variety of people mm-hmm. from, you know, our servers are serving one table of like these big four 
burly men, construction <laughs> workers, right. Narragansetts. And then two tables down, there's a couple on date night mm-hmm. um, getting, you know, glasses of rosé and oysters. Mm-hmm. And then another table down, it's like your grandfather decided to go out for lunch. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. There's just a, such a so variety cool. of people stopping by. It's So we've we've been pretty well received i think and it's been it's been really cool to see all the different people coming out in the neighborhood and it sounds like you're you you sound very socially conscious which leads me to my next thought about you're very involved with the sustainability movement correct as yes. well and can you talk a little bit about how you're using some of those concepts to positively impact the environment in both lawrenceville and just beyond yeah so Personally, I am very connected to the environment, mm-hmm. um, especially being a restaurant. You have to be mm-hmm. if you want to make it. I think it's it's important to the environment. I think it's important becoming more important to the consumers um, as long as they're educated. And it's really important to us owning these two restaurants. We want it to make an impact not only to the guests, but to our staff and to the environment. And so one of the things we we started with was we're not doing any single-use plastics mm-hmm. or minimal. Um, and so... And what does that mean? What does that mean? So that means no plastic to-go containers, mm-hmm. no plastic water bottles, no plastic um, straws, mm-hmm. no plastic uh, coffee cups, any 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 bags... So reducing the amount of, you know, you, we're all guilty of it. You Mm -hmm. grab a bottle of water Mm -hmm. and you drink it instead of bringing your own water bottle or using glass or, uh, the, I know the, one of the big things for us was the no plastic straws, especially Mm -hmm. being, uh, having a lot of seafood at our restaurants and wanting to, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of videos I've watched Mm. with how many, how much plastic is floating around in our ocean and just coming from a a trip in Tulum, Mexico, where you're walking along the beach and there's plastic washing up on shore. Mm. Like I physically witnessed that and I, I didn't think it would happen. I didn't, Mm. that's something I I saw on my Facebook. It wasn't something I've ever experienced. And when you do, it really hits home. And so at both restaurants, we have reduced our single use plastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for me, it means so much. I got connected at a bar, Mm -hmm. of course, (laughs) by someone who was also very passionate about it. And uh, so there is a huge campaign this summer rolling out called No P- Plastic, uh, sorry, No Plastic Please. Mm-hmm. And Humane Action Pittsburgh has a subcommittee. We're getting people involved. Um, you can be an ambassador. Um, I'm on the board. And it's kind of really for me pr- a proud moment that I did something, that yeah. I'm doing something. Yeah. I'm not just thinking about it and I've thought about it for a long time and now to be in the position where I can make choices for restaurants that impact the environment the people and the communities so deeply and you know get other restaurants on board get other people on board it's it's awesome so let's talk a little bit too about how how this is translating into the world of oysters yeah, this is fascinating. She was telling yeah. us about oh, yes. and I was like, wow, this is, I had no idea there's so many uses for oyster shells. And I also have so many fun facts to just spew oh, good. out about I, I love fun facts. Go on. <laughs> um, but oyster shells are, first, the oyster is the most sustainable s- seafood that you can eat. Um, it cleans, I think, 
one five gallons of water in one hour one oyster really it it, uh purifies our Mm. water it cleans the rivers it cleans the ocean uh they are amazing little creatures and so anyway i'm going off on a tangent the oyster recovery program is using pittsburgh as their first pilot city that's outside of the realm of where they currently get oyster donations which is Mm -hmm. really closer to the chesapeake bay so uh, which is really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That we're like the that's really cool. Yeah. Go it's, Pittsburgh. Yeah, go <laughs> Pittsburgh. Uh so having Or the Whale and Merchant Oyster Company spearheading that movement and talking with the people who are passionate about it in the community and the restaurants, working with sustainable restaurants Pittsburgh, um has been amazing and we're still working on it. There's a couple of logistical things to to kind of work through, but um it's a way that Pittsburgh can give back that everybody who said, where do we get our oysters from? We're inland. How do you get oysters here? It, it's a way to, to give people an amazing experience with oysters and then also tell them that they're doing the environment. Um, they're doing a really good deed for the environment. Uh, so one half oyster shell uh, is a home to 10 new baby oysters, wow. which is right now going into the trash Mm. for every restaurant that is here. There's another, one of the other things we were talking about is you can actually grind up oyster shells and uh, mix them into chicken feed Mm. and it'll help fortify the chicken eggs, which is another cool use. And of course, all the arts and crafts you can possibly imagine. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. It's really fascinating. I know. You wouldn't think that oyster shells would be something that you could like we have so many different purposes for and that you think about they just get discarded so how do you have that how do you start that conversation like obviously having an oyster restaurant you're kind of at that forefront of that discussion but how do you then you know keep that sort of mindset going that this is sustainable isn't just about the oyster shells there's also this all these different parts of it how do you get people to take that home with them, I guess is what I'm asking, you know, cause in the restaurant you can think about it because you're talking to the chef or you're talking mm-hmm. to your, the food is right in front of you. How do you get people sort of in that mindset of, okay, when I go home, I can also think sustainably about how I eat and, and those sorts of, how do you get them to sort of take that message and run with it? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to take, it's tough. Yeah. I, I don't, honestly, it's a, it's a tough, tough question because there are a lot of people who really care and then there just aren't people who care. Yeah. Yeah. So I think having a presence in the restaurant industry is going to help Mm -hmm. make that change. Individual consumers decisions from day to day is going to be a harder challenge. I think unless those people are already driven and really, um, but I think environmentally aware. Yeah. And I think, that the industry has to lead that change for too, sure. right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I think if for, in order for individuals, for it to get into our heads as patrons to a restaurant, the restaurant, first of all, has to be right. in, involved or we're yeah. just not even going to know what's going right. on. Right. So the idea, you know, about the straws and the oysters, I was like, I didn't know any of that. I think that's really interesting and fascinating. And, and now I'll be paying more attention, you right. know? So I think it's just turning those light bulbs on for people, but it has sure. to start yeah. at the industry level. I agree. And, and speaking of change and interesting things that you're doing in the community, you're also spearheading a uh, vegan raw 
dinner series, yes. which is, which, well, <laughs> I, personally as a vegan, I'm like super excited yeah. about this, but two, okay. So I've been like thinking about it like all week and I can't wait to go to one. But, but what I'm really, what I really love about this is that it's kind of out of your wheelhouse. And so you decided to, you seem like the type of woman that likes to take on challenges and conquer things, which I can appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know anybody like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I love that you, you, you want to do something that's, that's sort of out of your comfort zone. So can you tell me what made you decide to want to work on a series like this? And can you talk a little bit about what we can expect moving forward? Yeah. So it, it is quite an undertaking. Honestly, it's I not just vegan, it's raw, it's vegan, raw which vegan. is next level. Yeah. So it's hardcore. it is, it is hardcore. Yeah. It's kind of an extremist approach. It is. And I, although extremism can be looked at in maybe a negative light sometimes, however, it is a there like somebody has to have so much self-control mm-hmm. to be able to <laughs> right, yeah. eat this way and then on top of that they are doing their bodies so much better mm-hmm. than anybody else uh so raw raw vegan means you cannot cook foods over 120 degrees 115 depending on who you talk to but depending on how militant they yes. are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So your primary techniques of cooking are, or not cooking, are dehydrating, mm-hmm. uh, marinating, and a lot of raw food, but it all takes a lot of time. So there's also sprouting involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of great recipes. And this is not something I learned in culinary school. <laughs> you would never learn raw vegan food in culinary school. So, Which I find fascinating. That this yeah, wouldn't even not? be like a yeah. chapter in that book. You right. Know? Yeah. I think to me when I was, uh, so the reason I said yes is because I met this charming woman, Naomi. That's always the per- first problem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a charming woman. How many sad stories have started that way? With long blonde hair. Oh no, it's getting worse by the minute. <laughs> um, and she, I'm, I met her at a bar. Go figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has a bars. story. It's <laughs> at so my own bar, so that's fine. I was working. Um, <laughs> but she she said, I think I might have something you might be interested in, but I'll talk to you later about it. And I was like, so cryptic. Yeah. I'm Man. so intrigued. Why can't woman? you tell me yeah. now? So <laughs> about, I think, two weeks later, I got an email from her that mm-hmm. kind of explained things. And we met up. Uh, She is the owner of Pittsburgh Juice Company Mm -hmm. and also uh, Heirloom Superfood Market, which Mm -hmm. just opened on 31st Street. In the Strip District, correct? In the Strip Mm -hmm. District, right by the 31st Street Bridge. It was the old 31st pub. Big green building. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, And so she approached me about this idea and I said, okay, I'll do it but I have no idea what I committed to at the time. Yeah. Uh, but diving into it, and we did have one raw vegan dinner already mm-hmm. on June in June, and we have two more coming up in July, on July 26th on a Thursday and also August 26th on a Sunday. And, the and are whole, these going to be at Heirloom? Yes. Okay. Yep. And the whole not cooking thing really throws you for a loop, but it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's very experimental. So mm. it's all of those like strange, weird recipes and books that you're too scared to try. Now you have to try them. Now you have to figure out how to make things work without cooking anything and make it taste really good. And 
not even really good, but most people walking into these dinners are not knowing what they're going to get. So, so what was the response like from the community since you've already had one of these dinners? Were, was it all vegans or was it people that just wanted a, th- a thrill? Actually, a no. Yeah, it was <laughs> half and half, I would say. And and I would say maybe there was one out of 20 raw vegans. Everybody wow. else yeah. was vegan and wanted to try it mm-hmm. or wanted to see what it was like. And that's really the motto for the entire series is... Uh, kind of like Dr. Seuss-like, but everyone can eat like raw vegans and raw vegans can eat like everyone else Mm. because we all should be thinking about a healthy approach to our eating. And why not experiment and try out a whole new dinner? You can go to any other dinner series with any other cuisine. If you've never been to a raw vegan dinner, you should try it and kind of just learn something new. It's a fun thing to experiment with. So that was my goal was to bring more people in just to try the food. Sorry, I feel like I haven't been no, looking this way at all. It's she's so interested in what you're saying. No, I, I really am. I'm like, she's still like, yes. What she's also, there's this like bright beaming light yes. just on you. So yes. I'm just staring. <laughs> we set it up this way. I'm okay. My ego is secure. It's fine. I'm so oh, sorry. Um, oh, my goodness. Anyway. No, but, but she's seriously is so interested. No, I'm so excited. I can hear her like, salivating I, over to, this idea. Yeah, yeah. So I have to know, you, what have you tried so far that you've really liked that you think beyond the dinner series that you might just cook at home for yourself or for you and your or partner. not cook or, or yeah, non cook. cook. I know. What would so you not cook say. for yourself, but um, eat sprouting grains is yeah. amazing. I want to learn to do that. It's so easy. Is it? I, I doubted myself. I, so you set it up when you sprout you, basically it's the most simple thing. You soak grains overnight, you pour out the water, you put them on paper towel and then you cover them with a paper towel and just keep them moist. That's hmm. it. And then you wait for them to sprout. I probably shouldn't say how easy it is. <laughs> no, I want everybody to be eating like yeah. this. They should be eating like this. And so a sprouted grain is the most nutritious form of that food. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, it's in its premature stages. And it's trying so hard to, to grow. To next stage. Yeah. And this and life. Living. Yeah, yeah, this and so when we're consuming it, it's we're eating it at the most nutritious level of that uh, stage. And sprouting grains, they're flavorful, they're crunchy, they're fun. And I guarantee you, you don't eat them that often. So it's something, it's definitely something cool and new to try. That's awesome. Well, cool. I'm so excited for this dinner. So do you want to go in August? Yeah, let's go. Let's do we'll it. Go. Yeah, come. All right. All right. Done. <laughs> now we have to go because we just said it. Take me shopping. <laughs> She's gonna take me out for raw vegan food, and wow. then and then we have to do brunch at Or the Will because now I just feel bad. It's okay. I haven't taken you. I understand yet. you're busy. I understand. I, you know what? The guilt. I swear. It, it works really, on me. It the really Irish. Does. We also ha- you should come on Saturdays. We have a free yoga session on the rooftop, 10 a.m. And then you come so down. Did you like, this restaurant for just for her? Because like, holy crap. <laughs> I'm like having an orgasm over here. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Rock food, yoga on a roof. <laughs> then we'll get brunch. This is really turning into a great show, guys. Yes. For me, personally. I can't <laughs> talk to for anyone else. Talk to him. It's really sure. good. <laughs> Every Saturday through September 15th, this summer, yeah, we'll have, we're having uh, yoga on the roof. And 
juice free juice samples on the roof too i literally can't take anymore stop yeah we hooked everybody up that's awesome we're giving it all away that's wonderful well Well, thank you no wonder you wanted to have her on well yeah i've been i've been so excited for you to come on and just talk about all these amazing things and And you'll have to come back and food yeah you have to definitely come back and keep us informed of what you have going on and new projects and how everything's going with the restaurants and thank you so much for being with us yeah thank you natalie thank you thanks for coming show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.